Welcome to Do That Well. I'm your host, Brenda Brown, and with me, our resident executive coach, Karen Thrall. We're going to continue our conversation from last week about tackling your dreams well, and today we're going to talk about fear. Do Tackling Your Dreams Well is based on a story from Karen's upcoming book of allegories, and this story is about a boy named Dayton that has a dream and all of the different things that are in his way or his perceived way from (laughs) obtaining those dreams. Fear is a really big topic. There are many ways that we can talk about fear and how fear gets in the way of us tackling our dreams. Today, I'd like us to just to focus on these five main points that I've identified. So the first one that we're going to focus on is the fear of being selfish when it comes to tackling your dream. In the allegory of Dayton, he asks, what will people think? And then he goes on to say, it will be for me, and it's what I want. And that sounds selfish. Karen, because I've read the rest of the story, I know you don't think tackling your dreams is selfish. Right. (laughs) Right. I don't. And I love the way you you highlighted that word, you know, the, the word selfish. First and foremost, dreams involve others. Your dream impacts other people. It's going to involve other people. It's going to influence other people. And it's going to inspire other people. It just does. I think of in my personal life, it doesn't matter what that person's dream is. I love listening to somebody talk about tackling their dream. There is an energy and a passion and a commitment and sweat that goes into it that really inspires me. So even in that example, it proves that dreams are not selfish. Dreams do include others. And to fulfill your dream, you do have to rely on other people in your relationships, um, in your resources. It's never a solo thing. You are the creator of the dream, but it's not isolated. And what's funny is when you don't pursue your dream, it stays isolated. But as soon as you start on the path of pursuing your dream, it it no longer becomes isolated, it becomes inclusive, which is mind-blowing. I hear that because I feel like when I have a friend that comes to me and if they say, hey, I'm going to sign up for this class or, oh, I've decided that I want to learn this new skill, I'm always really excited for them. And all of a sudden I find myself being a cheerleader, like, how can I help you? Like, (laughs) yes, that's amazing. Let's do it. You know, I do think you're right that dreams involve other people. And I'm trying to think of a real life example. I feel like one way that we might feel selfish is what if you are somebody that's in a couple and both of you have a dream and maybe it doesn't feel obtainable for you both to pursue your dream at the same time for whatever reason that might be. So you might find yourself feeling really selfish because you want to prioritize your dream. And that's what it feels like. Like I want to prioritize my dream. So that means that my partner doesn't get to follow their dream. Mm -hmm. Prioritizing your dream is not an or thing. I either prioritize my dream or I have a good relationship. It's not or, it's and. I'm going to prioritize my dream and I'm going to have a thriving relationship. So it's never at the expense of, of a losing a relationship. And I think that's where sometimes it gets a little tricky. 
when you're communicating to your partner and you say, I have this dream, it burns inside me, I really, I'll regret it if I don't do this. Can we talk about it? Uh, Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because I've been wanting to talk to you about my dream too. And I'm feeling really stuck in mine. Okay, we need to talk about this. And you just both start sharing your stories, sharing your heart, sharing your ideas, sharing your passion, sharing your everything that's going on inside you. And then the question you ask is, what do we do about it? What do we do about these two dreams? There's nothing selfish in that. Realistically, what do we do about it? How do we empower each other? What would it look like if we both do it? Is it even possible? If it's not possible, how how long would it take for both of us to pursue our dreams? And do we take turns? And you get to explore all those options. There's nothing selfish. I don't hear anything selfish in that when we are including the relationship we're in to be part of the, the process. Something you just said, which actually leads into the second point that I wanted us to talk about. If you're both deciding to pursue your dreams, let's say you've talked about it, you've decided, okay, we're not being selfish. We both have these dreams that we want to pursue. We're going to do this together. And then I think, especially for somebody in my age demographic, um, I'm 34 for the listeners that don't know. (laughs) So somebody that's in my age demographic, I think that the next place that your mind might go is, what about our finances? And so then there's that fear of financial stability when it comes to pursuing your dream. You might be a person that is already fairly well established in your career. Maybe you are living the life that you want to live from a financial standpoint, but you know that pursuing your dream is going to, again, monetarily set you back. And I think that's a really big one that people fear. Yes. A few things there is good. I'm glad you are asking questions about your financial stability. Good. And I think if you were apathetic or you just didn't show any care and you, I don't know, who cares? It'll be fine. And you don't put any consideration into your financial stability. That is where I would be more alarmed. But for you to weigh the cost of the dream is is a wise thing to do because then you're not shocked by the cost it's going to require of you to pursue your dream and the example it's a simple example but when a child goes into kindergarten they're not ready for university yet what happens is is you're going to go back to square one again but in your current life you may be at stage 10 and going back oh no i don't want to do that again but you're going back to stage one wiser smarter more experienced you understand finances better planning on how do i remain financially stable is a very wise question and it isn't fear-based to me that's a wise question and, and if you have that angst about it, good, but turn it from, uh, from angst into wisdom. So if you have financial fears, overcome them, overcome them. Don't be, don't be paralyzed by financial fears. Find a solution. How do you break through that fear? And then when you look back, the fear won't be, a, it won't be fear anymore. For me, 
when I chose to be an entrepreneur, um, I went through a stage that was really scary financially. And I remember being at a restaurant with friends and I was sharing this fear I had. And an individual there said, you know what it's like to hit bottom and you'll never be here again. And so what did he mean by bottom? Well, the truth is I had 88 cents to my name. My credit cards were all maxed out. I had zero cash flow and it, I was scared. And I've never been scared that moment ever since that day because I overcame it. So when you're afraid of your finances, you have an opportunity to overcome them. And then you'll look back and you'll never be afraid of it again. And I'm going to use another example. And if you could, about you. When we used to work together at Fluvog, and I remember you were transitioning, if you want to share that story. Yeah, so definitely. I mean, for me, when I was at Fluvog, I was going from that and I, I decided that the next thing I wanted to do was to be a, a full-time dancer. And I definitely had a similar moment because as sad as it is being a full-time dancer in the capacity that I was doing it, you know, it it wasn't as financially stable that I, I was making less money than I was um, working retail, but it, you know, it, it was so worth it, Karen. It was so worth it because I was following my passion and I was following my dream. So, you know, I had to really weigh those pros and cons for myself. I think of, yes, I'm going to have less financial stability, but, or, and I'm also getting to do this thing that I love. And, and you're right. I, I did build back up and I just learned how to, how to live a little less yes at first yes and then I learned how to to work with that and so then when I did build it back up it was very exciting because it was like oh now I get these things again and I had forgotten that I ever that that was ever a part of my normal life because I was so focused on my dream yes and the thing is more often than not the fear of financial stability is actually a quality of life that we have to sacrifice and it's okay because if if you might you might have to sacrifice a quality of life but you will recover it so you may not be able to go to the coffee shop every day you may only go on saturdays and sundays and then you're going to pocket all that you know those five dollar coffees that you were used to buying and it's just a quality of life and then you start appreciating those things and when they start coming back into your life again you're like oh this feels so good I haven't done this in ages because I started over again and now I've rebuilt my life again to that place of comfort and so it's exciting so is it financial fear is it maybe it's not you know it's more like the just the fear of losing things yeah or, or perceived losing, right, yeah. of, of the things that we have. You just have to get a little uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and just press the pause button. You know, if you drive a great car and you're going to sell it and you're like, yeah, I won't be able to afford this great car, so I'm going to sell it and get a, a used car that is still reliable and great, and one day I look forward to getting that car again. But for now, I'm pausing, and I will get that again soon. You know, it's not necessarily that you're unstable. It's just that you're gonna make some really good financial choices. 
So here's another. I think another fear that people have is that there's maybe no room for them. I think sometimes when people are transitioning into a new career, they're like, well, where's the room for me? There's so many other people out there that want to do this thing. How am I going to do it? And then you just start talking yourself out of it. For me, one of the things I would say is um, it doesn't matter. You make a decision for yourself because it's what you want to do. It's what you believe is the best decision for you, period. And, and then you become, you steward that, you steward that decision and you, you allow yourself to grow in that decision. And even if there's a million other people wanting to do what you do, it doesn't matter because you know, you're supposed to do it. And it's an important piece of your story. And it's a chapter in your life that you must fulfill. Even if there are a million other people doing it, it doesn't matter. And uh, similar, like for me as a coach, I'm a dime a dozen. I am. We're everywhere. And I live in San Diego and San Diego is the Mecca of coaches. Like we are, there's thousands of us, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. I still have to do this. This is my dream. And the really cool part is connecting with other coaches. I have friends that are extraordinary coaches. I look up to them. I admire them. I love partnering with them. And every time I sit and listen to them train and teach and speak, I get so energized and we're in the same field. So the network of community that you build with your dime a dozen people and you start establishing friends and, and people that understand you and support you. You draw strength from them. You draw resources from them, you know, and, um, and you, they remind you to not give up because they know what it's like. They can identify with you. They have tricks of the trade, like for finances or where to live or the people to meet or where to network. And so you start drawing all your resources from the people that are in the same boat as you. What's cool about what you just said, finding other people in the community, that can just help continue that forward momentum, right? I think when you're around other like-minded people, it can become that much more motivating. When you're stuck in your own thought process, that's when we can go into that pattern of, well, there's so many people, how am I going to fit in? And then once you reach out to other people in your community, you might find that you actually fit in much more than yeah. you thought you might. Yes. That's your belonging. That's your people. You belong there. When you look at that, instead of looking at it saying, well, there's so many, there's no room for me. No, you're supposed to say, I belong there. That's my people. That's where I'm supposed to go. And the people that talk you out of it, that's not their people. They don't get it. But the people inside there, they understand you. And they're going to be the voice of confidence for you when you when you start doubting. And, you know, going back to the other podcast on time, uh, you know, the puzzle pieces, the snowball, all these things matter. These matter. This is you putting another piece of the puzzle to your dream. When you talk yourself saying there's no room for me, you just removed a puzzle piece from the puzzle. You just took snow off the snowball. You do belong that's why the ache is so strong in you because you do belong there. And if you think there's no room for you, it could just paralyze you. You could not move forward, which leads me into the next point, the fear of regret. 
a lot of times there's this very real idea and you know for yourself, if I don't pursue this, if I don't at least give it a try, I'm going to regret it. Yet somehow that thought process actually stops us. Like you would think that would motivate you to be like, okay, I know that if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. So I'm, I'm going to give it a try. But I think that that fear actually prohibits us more sometimes yeah. because it's just such a scary thought. And so then you just kind of freeze. Yes. <laughs> okay. And stop questioning your motive. Stop questioning your motive to people, right? Like, so if you get paralyzed and then you're going to have the fear of regret, what if, you know, and then you look back on your life and then you don't do it? And then when you're older, you start going, why didn't I do it? Why didn't I at least try? Stop questioning your motives. Trust it. Trust your character. Trust your heart. It lives in you. It's a unique dream that belongs to you. It's a whisper. It's something for you to fulfill. It's something that's incomplete inside you. In the story, Dayton is asked, when you're 96 years old and you look back on your life, and the castle is not built, will you regret it? And Dayton responds 100% yes. Absolutely yes. I think a lot of us find ourselves in that moment of realizing, yes, I am going to regret this if I don't try. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I actually say that phrase to myself every time I make a decision. I'll go, when I'm 96, will I regret if I don't do this? And when I get that sinking yes, oh boy, do I do it. <laughs> oh boy, do I do it. Because it feels <laughs> sickening. Like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say I didn't even try. You know, when we were talking in the other episode about the two boys, when they wanted to learn how to play golf, and they were so unique in their styles. And for them, they went about it differently, but without regret. And sometimes we look at how people are doing it and we don't know how to do it that way. So therefore we don't even try. And you have to remember you will do it the way you're supposed to do it. And it may not look like anybody else's style or way. And that's okay. In all of the points that we've talked about so far, there's an element of doubt. And that is the last point that I wanted us to talk about today. There is just a lot of doubt. It's rooted in all of these different fears so for our fear of being selfish, there's a sense of doubt there. For our financial stability, it's like, well, what if I can't get back to the financial spot that I would like to? You're doubting yourself for there not being room. You're doubting that you'll be able to make a place. And with regret even, you know, it's that doubt. Even though you know that if you don't pursue it, you're going to regret it, you still find yourself doubting. So I think that's kind of the biggest one that I want us to really focus on is that in all of this, the fear is really rooted in doubt. Self-doubt it is by far the greatest enemy. It's your personal greatest enemy to fulfilling any dream. The opposite of confidence is doubt. So when you're living in doubt, you have to throw your confidence away. And when you live in confidence, there's no room for doubt. You actually, it doesn't exist. So when you remain confident, you can't even entertain the thought of doubting it. And my thing is, it is the enemy. Self-doubt is the enemy to fulfilling your dream. 
and it robs you of your inner confidence. And this is where I get very passionate because it's like, stay the flipping course, <laughs> stay the course and don't let anything uh, shake up your confidence. Confidence will get you through so many hardships and challenges. Confidence will make you want to learn something new. Confidence because you'll start searching for information. Confidence will be in the, in your tone and your voice. Confidence will be in your boldness and in your belief. And a confidence is inspiring. Confidence is a very humbling quality to have because it's inner. It, it belongs on the inside of you and nobody can rob it. Nobody can steal your confidence. You choose to relinquish it. I can't come into your life and take your confidence from you. <laughs> you know, you're choosing uh, to be influenced and, and it's, uh, you're actually losing your confidence yourself. So it's the one resource that you can carry, whether you have a degree or not, whether you're financially affluent or not, whether you're the most impressive person on the planet or not, your confidence is, allows you to remain steadfast. Your confidence allows you to be boldly pursuing this thing that aches inside you, this this longing inside you to, to fulfill and complete a part of you that is still incomplete. It's beautiful. Today, we wanted to talk about fear. So we're talking about tackling our dreams and we're talking about fear. But I hear us talking a lot about community and about confidence and just saying no to fear, really. <laughs> reaching out to others, finding your motivation within yourself and allowing the people around you to help with that and and just finding your confidence and letting that build and letting that momentum rise so that fear is just no longer a part of the equation. Yeah. And, you know, and with that, that also, again, to every step matters. So even if you need to talk about your fears, it, that's that matters. That is one step closer to your dream. If you need to figure out what your fears are that are holding you back, do it because you will overcome those fears. Once you identify them, you will then overcome them. And then you're that much closer to your dream, which is exciting. So for those of you who have joined us today, you know, identify your fear. If you have a fear with tackling your dream, that's okay. Feel it, identify it, but then allow yourself to move past it and know that it is just a part of the process of the bigger picture of tackling your dream. <laughs>